Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and it is the third week of the month, which means we are ready for our next bonus episode with our resident therapist, Jenny Helms, a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist out of Soma Therapy in Wichita, Kansas. What a wonderful guest to always have on. And she's always there to answer your listener questions at the end of interviews. If you haven't stuck around and listened to those, I highly suggest it. And probably get a lot of stuff out of it. But this week, uh, with the holidays right around the corner, we are doing a special episode for all of you about family systems. So whether you're still quarantined or maybe you're quarantined with your family and so you're going to be spending some time with them around the holidays anyway, or maybe you're ignoring health guidelines and you're going out to hang out with people. Whatever you're doing, uh, what a helpful episode this is going to be tell you how to uh, not only address some issues you might have with your family and your individual family members, but also maybe address some issues you might have in yourself. Uh, I personally got called out a number of times in this episode, and I think it's all the more reason to share it with you guys. So I hope you enjoy this month's bonus episode with Jenny Helms about family systems. <music> The holidays are right around the corner. And I mean, I guess they are technically right around the corner. Um, and families are terrible. <laughs> no. And families are terrible. <laughs> no, that's not true sometimes. No. Um, but so this is the this is kind of the topic we're gonna talk about those family systems. What an official term I'm so I'm so intrigued by. And and being triggered and as we talked about before, like a lot of people you know, a lot of people I know are, are triggered by at least someone in their family. Um, and I have, I have a plethora of questions and experiences in this subject. But I wanted to kind of give you the floor first. And I don't know, what are we going to be talking about today? <laughs> yeah, so one of the most like poignant like quotes that I remember hearing while I was going through grad school was from a professor that I, I was a mentee of at a time too. He would say, he would say that when we go back for the holidays, we all kind of shrink a couple of inches. Like that was his thing. He was like, when you go to see your family, you might notice that you shrink a couple of inches. And I didn't really pay attention to that phenomenon before he, he said something, but that holiday, I tried to kind of notice more like if I felt like I was kind of reverting back to childhood or if things started to come up that I didn't, I maybe wasn't fully aware of. And that sticks out in my mind. And I I, I totally believe that's true, that we all in certain ways might just shrink a couple of inches around the holidays when we go to visit family. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think sometimes just people just feel it as like stress or anxiety. Like they might feel more stress or anxiety when they're around their family systems. Yeah. And that might also be a sign that there's stuff, there's some unresolved stuff there. Right. And I think it's worth us exploring and talking about. And, and if we can come up with ways and develop a self-awareness around the holidays where we can interact with our families in the ways that, make us feel the most emotionally safe. And it also may mean setting boundaries or being prepared for certain things. Um, It may mean learning how to self-regulate yourself so you're ensuring that you are 
responding to to things in the ways that you'd like to yeah um, that are really true to yourself and even true to yourself growth because again we grow and we can do things in therapy and as adults still go back during the holidays and then all of a sudden find ourselves responding like we did five ten years ago or younger <laughs> or younger absolutely absolutely yeah. so yeah so I think this is like I'm really excited to talk about this because this family systems I mean that's just a fancy word for the different ways that our family impacts us and that we impact it right so yeah. it's bi-directional and family is such a big thing for many people around the holidays and then for those that are cut off from your family that's still gonna that's still gonna hit you in a certain way and it still impacts you yeah. I mean even if you don't go home for the holidays like there's still something there and family may just be also like the friendships the people that you connect with now absolutely right so yeah anyway there's layers to that yeah. so I'm I'm happy to like explore this topic further and kind of delve in. Oh yeah. Yeah. However you'd like to delve in. I always think um, like some of my favorite Thanksgivings and like, <laughs> so little background. We, I would always have Thanksgiving with my uh, grandparents, my mom's side and my uncle, my mom's side. And that's just like always what Thanksgiving were. Location would change, but like either my uncle's house or my parents' house, my mom's house, whatever. Um, and then I moved to California for a couple of years and I didn't have any, obviously any family out there, but we would get together. Like all the, all of our friends would get together cause everyone's like transplanted out there and no one had family out there. Or if someone did, we'd go to like their family's house, but it would all be everybody the same age. And then like our friends' parents. <laughs> um, and then I came home and, and my Thanksgivings have been like a lot of driving from, you know, like my girlfriend now wife's parents house and then to my mom's house then to my uncle's house and it's almost like christmas too like it's just all this driving around and then it ends up just being like i hate doing this um so some of my favorite thanksgivings have been those ones in la where it was just like a bunch of friends that are really there for the connection of like kind of creating this family of people that care about each other without the the baggage of all the stuff you might have grown up with and it's funny you talk about, <laughs> I showed you in, in the camera, I wrote down regressive behavior uh, a long time ago, because that's, that's exactly what I experience. And I, I wonder how common that is, that people um, react to their parents maybe as children. Like, I know a lot of my reactions to my mother are childhood Justin reacting to my mother. They're not like 37-year-old Justin reacting to his mother. Um and it's something like I struggle with reining in and it's something I'm currently working on, but it's, it's very noticeable. And I noticed early on, cause my parents divorced when I was four, when I would go visit my dad, I would always like, as you say, shrink, I would go back like a few years in age. Like I never would act the same way. Cause I feel like that development with him was slowed down. Cause I just see him in these pieces over like two times a year or whatever. So when I saw him when I was like 16, I would act like I was 12 or however that looks. So it's funny that you mentioned regressive behavior because that's that's something I feel like that's how I, I respond to triggers is I respond the same way I did when I was a child, which is unhealthy but accurate. Um, so I'm wondering, you mentioned this a little before we started the episode, but like how common 
it is for uh, we see it in sitcoms and stuff so there's got to be some sort of trope there right but like how common it is for this kind of drama with family well no family system is perfect and i would say every family system has its drama so to speak yeah um so I don't, I don't think anybody's unscathed for sure, but the amount of drama definitely differs family to family. Yeah. And I do think that like certain family systems, there is more drama, so to speak, uh, <laughs> when everybody's together and the family system kind of functions in certain ways. And I would, you know, over time, what I've seen is if, if it, if you grew up in a family system that had certain drama, unless people have done a lot of therapy work, it typically, or other self work, I'm not going to say therapy is the only way, but like they would have had to intentionally learn certain behaviors and learn how to be in relationship outside of their family in some way, unless they've done that work, those patterns still remain. They just take on more adult forms typically, Yeah. but those patterns and those interactions, um, they're still likely going to be there because everybody kind of plays a role in the family system. And it's hard, even if you've grown and you've changed in certain ways, like, and you come back into your family system, the family system is going to fight to keep things the same, even if the same is bad and dramatic and not good, right? So even if you're bringing in goodness and more calm and more peace, um, it's weird how, you know, we fight for homeostasis, so to speak. And we see that in family systems all the time. Um, you know, I, there's also this study, I remember looking at different studies about family systems and even just like individually, like one of the ones that stood out to me was that a kid, if, if they grew up in a really chaotic, yelling, unpredictable, traumatic environment, but then was placed into a peaceful, supportive, healthy, loving environment, we typically, like, usually due to foster care systems and that sort of thing, we would usually see that when they were placed in these family systems, over time, they'd start to create, they'd start to create drama, they'd start misbehaving, they'd start to create noise, because it was so uncomfortable for them to be in peace, to be in calm. And so, you know, that's just like a very small, like, piece of this. But I'm like, that was, it's just a really fascinating example of how even when things are good or we're placed in a good environment, if we haven't internally done that work, and then you multiply that in a family system, like, people fight to keep things the same. Yeah. That's, so. I'm, that's opening my eyes to some of my own behavior. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you, what do you see as kind of some of the more common things i mean let's let's talk about like parents um because I, I, I obviously there's different you know siblings and what kind of drama you might heard. i keep i keep saying drama i know it's probably frowned upon <laughs> but uh with, with each kind of segment of your family but let's talk about parents what are some of the more common things you see people um dealing with or or regressing back to or whatever that looks like uh, around this time of year like in response to their parents? Yeah. Like what okay. are some of the things that people are triggered by that and how do they kind of work through those things? So it's difficult because it, again, like people take on different roles or they might respond differently in certain situations, but I will, one of the roles that I will take on, for instance, is I'm a big rescuer. 
Yeah. I like to rescue people, right? <laughs> Good thing I'm a therapist. Great. Um, fantastic. You found your uh, calling. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, and I've, I've figured, like, and it's funny because over time that actually you learn how that's actually an arrogant stance to take and it's actually self-serving and not, so it's not that I'm this beautiful, wonderful giving person, even though I think deep down in my heart, that is, that is a definite part of me. But I think the way that it ends up coming out when I'm projecting that stuff onto people is that it's not about my wonderful giving heart. That's about something else. Yeah. Anyway. So that role, the rescuer that I've played, um, you know, if somebody in my family system is, you know, is in the victim role or even if there's a persecutor role, I'll go and like save the person who's being persecuted or I'll want to make things better. Or, you know, that's like, that would be a typical response of like me trying to go in and save them. Or if somebody's in the victim role, trying to go and save them. I've also definitely been in the victim role where it's like, Oh, life is so this or that. Um, and these are just like, I mean, these are general ones, but we could even switch these roles, like how we respond, even like during a conversation. I mean, we might have one we gravitate towards, but generally speaking, you might have a person in your family system that tends to be more of a victim or, or you might have somebody who's a persecutor, who's very critical or judgmental, or, you know, you might have somebody who is passive aggressive. So you walk on eggshells around them, yeah. right? So it really depends on like your response to their behavior typically depends to how they are, you know, or yeah. what you expect them even to be, right? Because they may not even be that way, right? They may have had some growth, but you're expecting it. Like you're like, oh, so-and-so is passive aggressive. So let's just not even talk about stuff or let's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And like in doing that almost reinforce them being passive aggressive or responding in a way that's not as healthy because nobody's having direct healthy communication with them. Yeah. Um, this is, this is reminding me of, Cause so when you're saying these people, I'm like, okay, that person and that person, I'm like having different, <laughs> different people pop in my head. And, and that brings me to like, I think what a lot of people might deal with is, and if I say something and you're like, I don't think anyone deals with that, just stop me. Cause that will be a waste of podcast time <laughs> and I don't pay you to be my therapist. Um, but no, I, I, what, so last Christmas and Thanksgiving we hosted and it was my in-laws and it was my family and my mom brought her boyfriend. And so there was just a lot going on. There was a lot of people in my house and the problem, and I'm kind of having this realization now, which is funny, but I have individual relationships with all these people, right? Like I react to mine. I react and interact with my mother differently than I do with my wife and differently than I do with my in-laws and differently than I do with my uh, sister-in-law's husband. And so when all these people are in the same room, <laughs> I think I get so stressed out because I'm trying to be five different people, <laughs> uh, at the same time. Cause I did, I did not handle the holidays well last year. And I'm realizing now that it's probably that, that had to have played a role where I'm trying to be, you know, 15 year old Justin who reacts to my mom poorly and then like adult in-law Justin and then buddy Justin to my sister-in-law's brother and like who's this guy my mom brought like all this all these people are trying to be there at the same time and that's impossible uh I imagine a lot of people deal with that to some degree every holiday because 
you do have different relationships with different people and how do you be that one person during that whole time does that make sense and does that apply to a lot of people or am I just projecting that no I would say yeah so I would say that applies to a lot of people I don't know that you're gonna like what I have to say oh it's fine I know (laughs) because and I say this and I I want to be super humble here because I a have totally struggled with this in the past and b still struggle with it especially with family members in particular versus like in my daily life now. Yeah. So I think this is like an interesting phenomenon um, because generally speaking, I would say that overall that is an issue of you figuring out just who you want to be period. Uh, yeah. Right. No. And having integrity with yeah. each person, like showing up the same way. Like I take may... full responsibility that it's on me. <laughs> <laughs> like you may, for, for some people you still have to set boundaries with them because of the way they are for sure. Yeah. But you would do that with anybody, right? So it's not that you necessarily have to change the way that you are. It's just like if someone does something inappropriate or violates your boundaries, like you got to address it as it comes. So I think it's really about you figuring out like just how you want to be and trying to stick to that as much as possible. Like we we call it like you know, having your sense of self or like staying true to yourself in those situations and, and just noticing yourself. Cause we all do it. Like noticing yourself lingering from how you want to be. And then just like kind of reeling yourself back in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and I've worked on it over time where like, you know, the way I act with my grandma is the way that I'm going to respond to my uncle is the way, you know, I, I try to be as real with them as possible. And even yeah. just being like, you know, especially with like, it was funny. I used to with especially older adults, I felt like I would used to like hide my goofiness yeah. or not like be as like, you know, down to earth or whatever. And now I'm like, you know what? You're going to get my goofiness. Even if like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not because there's nothing like inherently offensive about it. Like, I'm sure sometimes my grandma's like, you think you're funny. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure. But like, it's yeah. me just being true to myself and like. And that way, I guess for me, it's like I start to tune into instead of thinking, because I'm definitely still a recovering people pleaser, but instead of thinking like, how should I respond in a way that would please this person? I'm thinking, how do I just want to be in this moment just for me? Like, how, how do I want to be that at the end of the day, I lay my head on my pillow and I feel good about me and that's how I'm just going to be. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't like it or if they're offended by it, then like, that's probably something they need to address with themselves. And if not, like, come talk to me and be a good human. Like, you know, I, I guess now I'm no longer because I used to, like, kind of organize my life around making sure everybody else was OK. Again, the rescuer. Yeah. Right. And now I'm like, no, I'm just going to, like, show up, be me, be the me that I, like, want to be. And if people are unhappy with that or annoyed by that or whatever, like then they need to address that with me. But if not, like, I don't know, I'm just going to live there's my life like, essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah. There, there's yeah, like okay. four roads of responses I want to go down, but like three of them would involve us turning this into a therapy session. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, uh, there's You're a like, lot, uh... there's a lot there. Yeah. These are you hitting all my buttons. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in an effort to uh, make this a more broad podcast, um, So I think there's kind of like three categories of people as far as uh, like the holidays go. Like there's the people that have consistent year-round relationships with their family, right? Like 
maybe they have kids and they see their parents all the time because they're the grandparents and whatever that looks like. There's the occasional people who like keep in touch via phone call maybe. Maybe they live in other states, whatever that looks like. And then around the holidays is when they actually see their family. And then you have the people that just like never see their family um, and except maybe on the holidays. <laughs> so for each type of person there, and I feel like I've been all of these people throughout the years. I don't know. I don't know what my question is. I wrote that down and then I don't remember my question. <laughs> I wonder, I wondered if you were curious if there was like a difference in the family dynamics between those different groups. Based I mean, on I like, would assume there is. I would assume, I mean, I don't know that I have like data on that, but I would assume that you're less impacted or you shrink less yeah. if you interact with them day to day. Cause you probably at that point. Yeah. Cause you'd almost have to, that would be a thing you'd be working on maybe, or maybe they're determining how your life is, and that's not great. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. But I definitely think those who are more cut off from their family systems, when they come home, they're going to notice the most significant anxiety or differences or uh, shrinkage in yeah. their size, so to speak. Um, they're going to shrink a, a couple more inches than those who – maintain a connection with their family throughout the year yeah mm -hmm. as far as you know the people i mentioned the kind of three different categories of like consistent and occasional and just never really contacting people um when i guess both when and is it now a good time right before the holidays to dive into boundaries um because I think a lot of a lot of the things that I personally have healed relationships with or like began to heal those relationships with is um, identifying the boundaries that I want in that relationship and setting them clearly and having the like strength and wherewithal to enforce them when they're crossed because I think that's probably the hardest part in, in that at all. Um, so setting boundaries with your family, I mean, where do, where do you start there? Because that's relationships typically people have had their entire lives. And now it's like, hey, here's some things. <laughs> as, a, as a therapist, I mean, what do you recommend to people as a starting point for setting boundaries with their family? Yeah, well, the starting point is recognizing what is violating your boundaries, which a lot of people are like, well, how do I even identify what boundaries I need to set? And I would do an inventory with each family member or just generally looking back over experiences with your family and thinking about the times that you felt annoyed, frustrated, hurt, left out, any of those strong negative feelings. I say negative, but I don't mean it in a bad way. I just yeah, yeah. mean anything that's uncomfortable to feel because those could be, especially anger, can definitely be those little like what I would call like check engine signs that something's violating your boundaries or is not okay for you or doesn't feel right. And it, it could go both ways where it's like, it might be a boundary you need to set with the person. Yeah. It might be a boundary you need to set with yourself. It might be a boundary as far as like how much you share or how much time you spend there. Or if you have like a way to leave the room or to leave the area or self-regulate, like, it could be all sorts of different things. So like taking an inventory of those moments that you remember. Yeah. And if you can't remember that stuff, like make it a priority this holiday season to take note of that. Take note of when you're feeling anxiety or anger or annoyance 
frustration. Oh, you can literally take notes. You can literally pull your phone out real quick. Use the little notes app. (laughs) Yep. Take notes uh, in your phone or write (laughs) it down that night or whatever feels comfortable for you. I can't remember things for like, if I have an idea pop into my head, I usually have to like write it down within the next five minutes. So (laughs) you could even like pretend you're like, you can send messages to yourself on Facebook messenger or do something like that. Like, so there's little tricks. So you could even like seem like you're texting a friend, but really you're just, yeah, I have a text chain with myself. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times it's just where I park the car, but other times it's stuff stuff that is more useful. So I I like first things first. Yeah. Yeah. I like what, what your boundaries are or what violates your boundaries. I like you mentioned uh, identifying like boundaries with yourself. Cause that's something I I feel like, I mean, I, I haven't really thought about that. I, identify with my you know with my mother or my brother or whoever but with myself it's something I haven't really thought about or maybe I have in different contexts but what are I mean you mentioned leaving the room and stuff but what are some other examples of like identifying yourself kind of crossing your own boundaries because that even that sentence sounds a little weird to me (laughs) yeah well for me it's usually the ways that like I betray myself in that moment and maybe respond in a way that I don't want to respond. And like, it's not that in the moment you can always fix that or edit it, but it's more like taking an inventory of that and realizing like, okay, in future situations, when this sort of thing happens, how do I want to respond? Okay. And kind of creating, like kind of planning for that in the future in the sense that like, if this happens, this is how I want to respond, right? So it's a boundary with yourself where you're like, I want to do this thing because that's going to be more in alignment with myself than, you know, just being triggered, Yeah. right? And of course, like if things get too intense, like we cannot help ourselves. Like if we're flooded, we're just going to react. But that's also setting the self-boundary if like you start to feel that coming on that you do go self-regulate. Go excuse yourself. Go do something to get yourself back into a space where you're not flooded so that you can be how you want to be, right? So, again, that's a self-boundary where, like, no one else is involved, but making sure that you pay attention to that. And, like, and for me, too, one of my big self-boundaries now is I no longer read between the lines with family members. So if somebody (laughs) is trying to say something to me but they don't say it directly, I literally just, like, let that go. And I, I assume the best unless they tell me otherwise, unless they're like, actually, I'm really upset. This thing happened. I just assume no one's mad at me and no one, like everything's good. Yeah. I just no longer read between the lines and that's a self boundary. Like no one else is in charge of how I perceive things except for me. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a big responsibility to take. (laughs) Yes. Well, and that has been like a huge relief for myself. Like huge huge like weight of energy just off my shoulders well i imagine a lot of things can just be like everybody is passive aggressive because if you just look look into everything a little bit too much like what are they actually trying to say what do they mean by good morning they think i'm having a bad morning so they try to... <laughs> um obviously that's a, an extreme example what do they what do they mean good morning how <laughs> dare they <laughs> um so setting boundaries with others what does that look like? I went, the, I went the write it down and email it route, but what is, I mean, what does that look like? How do you, how do you set boundaries with your mother or your brother or your sister, or your father, like these people that are your immediate family, like you probably grew up with, 
you have this established relationship with for decades, how do you say, hey, we can't do this or we can't discuss this or whatever that looks like? Like, how do you how do you start that? <laughs> yeah, well, for some people, it might look like having a conversation even before things happen. It might look like setting those boundaries or especially if it has to do with like, how much time you'll spend there or traveling stuff. Like you may have to communicate those boundaries before the holidays. And that might be the safest way to do it for other people. It's going to be more in the moment that you have the ability that like, if something comes up at the moment that you can say, Hey, unless you're going to talk to me in a way that's respectful, I'm just not going to participate in this conversation. And, and practicing that, like actually like practicing it in your head, um, because you don't want to just be in that situation and be like, I'm going to do that one thing I, I talked about that one time. Right. But like really actually coming up with like some realistic scenarios of what might happen and how you want to respond in a way that sets a boundary and has that, like that consequence of like, you know, like I would love to have this conversation with you and I cannot have it with you if you're going to raise your tone of voice at me. So when we're ready, like when you can do that, I would love to have this conversation with you and just kind of keeping it simple and making those boundaries around like, you know, whether or not you'll participate in a specific dialogue, um, giving them a chance, right. Saying like, you know, like some people, they just like up and leave or they're like up and like change the whole scenario and I would say that's like being over boundaried and maybe like the the punishment isn't fitting the crime so give people a chance because often we don't realize the ways that we're like unintentionally hurting people or pissing them off so I think it's just giving them the opportunity saying like hey I really don't like it when you say this or like this really frustrates me um can you can we do something different right and if not like I'm just gonna you know, if this continues, then I'll leave the room and giving people a chance to like backtrack and be kind and respectful to you. Because again, sometimes they think something's funny or they don't think it's offensive and their intention is not what it feels like to you. You know what I mean? So, um, giving them that chance. And of course, if you say, Hey, don't do this thing and they keep doing it, then they are clearly just being a jerk. Right. And then you get to say like, all right, like I'm going to like leave this conversation or leave the room or whatever, um, is appropriate, uh, for that time. So yeah. Perfect. Um, did you, before I ask another question, um, did you have stuff that you want to cover? Like, I think we, you know, it's interesting because I think we like just naturally by way of just like explaining homeostasis and boundary, (laughs) like boundaries and how we regress like I'm like those were the big things that I wanted to cover um and that people just have a lot of grace with themselves that like this is such a normal thing like it was so funny you're like does this happen to a lot of people I'm like I don't know who it doesn't happen to (laughs) um what fearsome creature is completely boundaried and 100% themselves around their family um I don't know it's funny I always uh my family has always connected on the level of relating to the dysfunctional family movies that come out around this time of year, you know, like your Christmas vacation, your planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, And I think a lot of people laugh at the crazy nonsense. And then a lot of people get the joy out of like, like I think my family does like 
the real the realism of like the relationships between everybody and how chaotic it is uh this is funny yeah I, what i was gonna ask you though i don't know why i branched off on christmas movies do you okay hold on let me pause real quick yeah do you like the drama that is that being so relatable to that to those movies brings in your family system i like no do i like the drama wait what's your question so okay so sometimes and i see this like how people with how people do relationships too where it's like they're like oh well we're kind of like this movie or like it's just like that (laughs) and i'm like i'm always a little bit like "Eh," because movies are supposed to be dramatic yeah yeah right and so it's interesting because people can almost like validate or like um put the drama on a pedestal yeah when really it's like a sign of like not being okay with like peace and calm and not having other ways to like relate and connect outside of drama yeah i think uh my mother and i share this in the way that i mean i've I've recognized it and i try to change it but like i'm i was so enmeshed in movies and film for so long and tv shows um and like you know i look at some of that was my safe space as a kid um that I want like if my life wasn't playing out like something from a TV show or a movie, then it just like then what was actually going on? I was bored. It wasn't happening. And um, my mother tries to put our family together as if it's like some movie. Like she always, oh, let's watch this movie about this mother and son who weren't connected, and now they're connected, and everything's hilarious. I'm like, like she because she wants that to be our reality, and uh, I think I. Once it see, I was about to say, I think a lot of people, um, but I always push my narrative onto other people, but it's, it's, it's a dangerous road going down movies and film and TV and the stuff that we see and taking it for more than just the surface of what it is, which like entertainment. And like we go down, the, I, I go down this road of like comparing my life to those things. And as far as the drama, I like the relation, like, if there's one thing that me and my family can do and not fight and not argue and not judge each other, it's sit down and watch those movies. Like, there's not going to be interruptions. There's no one, no one's going to be like, I don't know, if you're watching something else, (laughs) I'm going way off track here, but (laughs) like, I can see my, like, my mom being like, oh, look at that. Like, why didn't you ever do that? Or something along those lines but that's like nothing like that's going to happen when you're watching christmas vacation (laughs) it's just going to be all the three of us are going to sit there we're going to like laugh together we're going to not pick on each other's different shit that we don't approve of and it's going to be like a good quote-unquote family moment um so that's that's how i relate to those i don't think i put the drama on a pedestal i just think the drama is relatable because of the drama in my family Mm. Does that make sense? Do you think, yeah. Do you think that like, so you mentioned that your family system um, will kind of make fun of each other. Do you um, think that's the way? Make fun and, like, sounds jokingly? nice. <laughs> okay. So it's not, okay. But sometimes when I think about that, like some family systems do use criticisms, put downs. Oh yeah. Uh, all that like that's the ways they know how to connect yeah oh no i mean like my my sister or my sister i don't have a sister but my no my wife and her (laughs) 
<laughs> my wife and her her sister and her mom like they all like call each other skank and stuff just like joking around it's never like there's never any sort of weird malicious intent behind it and uh you know everyone makes fun of my father-in-law just for little stupid things and that's just like how they all communicate and never it's all it's all in jest um mm-hmm. so no no that's not what i'm talking about there i get that no my like well, my shit. so i'm not referencing that actually oh, okay. well never but mind. because i think that that can be again it can be healthy but like i'm actually talking about how like people genuinely like they don't know how to be vulnerable and connect with vulnerability yeah. so instead they connect by criticism by like the bad like the not good part of that the actual like oh hey we're like so close that we're mean to each other but they're it's just being mean (laughs) right um and so anyway i just didn't know if that was kind of like the experience that you have at times no mine uh my criticisms are all like i come from a place where i want people to like work through their shit like I'm, I am through therapy. I mean, we're all, mm-hmm. my family is a bunch of people projecting their own shit on everyone else. My mom's convinced that she's like 67 and knows more than both me and my brother. Cause how could it possibly be any other way? She's been alive longer. Um, and my brother thinks he knows everything and all his behaviors are perfect. And if we're not following what he thinks is right, then like he was a bodybuilder. He was, uh, he's, he's, a. He picks on my mom for being overweight constantly. He picks on me for just about everything. Um, no, there's no there's no fun in the criticism. There's no relating to each other. It's mm-hmm. just uh, it's kind of projecting our own shit onto each other. It's super unhealthy. Um, <laughs> well, and anyway. I think I think that happens in um, different ways and in different variances in a lot of family systems where like you'll start especially with siblings you'll notice how they're like I don't know it's that weird ego competition thing like I oh my gosh okay so something I should mention so many sibling sets in therapy and it's really interesting doing family therapy with people and working with them but especially my teenagers yeah they because I love teenagers because they don't they don't they will say things directly. They don't give a fuck. And they won't hide it, which is amazing. But they're so real about the fact that they compare themselves to the to their siblings. And there's this weird like dynamic of who does what better. Yeah. And anyway, I feel like that's worth mentioning because I, I think when people come home, when people are kind of fluffing their feathers or putting down another sibling or doing something like that, like I really think it's more about it just more shows that insecurity of I don't feel good about me based on my own definitions. Yeah. And therefore I need to weirdly compare and figure out if I'm okay, if I'm good enough and everyone's doing it and it's, yeah, it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. And that's where like that self-work is so important where it's like going in and knowing like you can be happy for your sibling's success without it being threatening to your lovability or your worthiness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I see that dynamic so much where I'm like, and you're amazing and lovable and wonderful. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's just such a fascinating thing where it's siblings kind of feel like they have to almost like, I don't know. Comparison. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, the last thing I want to ask you, cause I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. Um, 
people that don't have family this time of year, uh, for whatever circumstance that may be, what are some coping mechanisms for when everyone's, you know, talking about family and closeness and togetherness and they're like, cool, I feel extra lonely. (laughs) Um, I mean, what, what are some coping mechanisms for people like that? I think first and foremost, it'd be important for them to figure out the meaning making they make of them being quote unquote alone during the holidays, like whether they've really resolved and come to terms with what that means and making accurate meaning out of that because so many people are alone by choice because that's the healthy thing to do or because there's just other crazy circumstances that have happened or like, I mean, the list could go on as to reasons why people don't have their blood biological family as people that they connect with around the holidays. And I think for all of us, it is significant that we have other connections and people we can connect with. Now what's hard is sometimes they have biological connections that they're going to go spend time with during the holidays. But maybe for, for those purposes, you just ensure that you spend some time with them, like in the time between and make that the times that you connect and make that where you put like, okay, I still need connection too. I still want to celebrate things too. And celebrate it create those connections do it with the family you've created yeah but i think first and foremost you have to resolve whatever meaning making you make about you being alone because that's the biggest thing is people could make that about their self-worth they could make it about you know so many other things that it's it's not necessarily about right oh yeah and and i think if you do it doesn't matter if you connect with other people you're still going to feel really crappy Right. So I'm like, I think it's where you have to just get really clear about the meaning making you make around that scenario and, and understanding that some of the most wonderful, amazing human beings out there do not have biological family members that they can connect with during the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your worth. It has nothing to do with your lovability. Yeah. It's, it just uh, is what it is. So a lot of it's just kind of in your interpretation of what that means. And it might be grief too, because it could be a physical death that causes that or several physical deaths that have caused that. Yeah. Right. And so it's really, really important that um, people get clear about the meaning making they make around it. And if it is around grief, like take that time to grieve and know that it's okay to not feel, you don't have to feel all the good feelings around the holidays, like to, to make space for that grief. Your life does not have to be a Hallmark movie. No, no. For some people, (laughs) the holidays are really hard and they've lost loved ones. And, and sometimes they do. Um, I love it when I see people do like actually honor their grief and like making things that are commemorative. So maybe you could do something that commemorates your loved ones that you've lost. Um, if you're up for it again, that's, that's no pressure, but I've seen that. And I think that can be a really, beautiful way of honoring grief around the holidays. Okay. So. Nice. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Jenny Helms about family systems. You can follow her on all social media at Jenny Ann Helms, and you can follow us on all social media at friend request pod. You can send your questions for Jenny to Justin's friend request at gmail.com. And I hope to hear from you guys. And if you haven't yet, please go into Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. 
Uh, if you can't do a review right now because you're super busy, just hit that five-star button. I would really appreciate it. The more people that click that, the more chances Apple's just going to keep showing people our podcast. Uh, and thank you so much to those of you that have reached out via Venmo and other methods to uh, support the podcast fiscally, financially. And anybody that is still ordering from Bravis Brewing, use code FRIENDREQUEST for 10% off your non-alcoholic beer order. All that stuff is super helpful. Uh, I put countless hours into this podcast every month as well as pay a hosting fee. So all of that support is greatly appreciated and takes a little bit off of my own back. So thank you so much. Keep on listening. Let me know what you guys think. I love hearing from you. I love, 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 love hearing from you. Whether it's the Instagram messages, the Facebook messages, the emails, uh, any way you want to reach out, I love it. Thank you so much. Keep it coming. I hope you guys have a super safe and filling Thanksgiving. And I know most stores are closed for Thanksgiving this year, and hopefully that trend continues when there's not a global pandemic. I love you guys so much. Please stay safe. Please enjoy yourself. And I will talk to you next week.